It's episode 40 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and joining me today is J.P. Breen and Ryan Topp. And hey, we had a prop bet that fell hard this past week. Oh, yeah. That was we a big one. two of them did. Well, we had a couple, we had but the, there was one that I don't... If it would have been worded in this way, nobody would have taken it. Because the first Brewers home run of the season, was not only was it Brent Suter, but it was off Corey Kluber. Of all people. <laughs> I know. Well, that's that's how that stuff tends to go. And it was dead center. He like destroyed that ball. Yeah, no, there was it was no doubt. He absolutely crushed it. Yeah. So there we go. One prop bet down. Who took that one? I, I picked zero home. I runs, picked zero I as well. Yeah. I said it I, I said there was going to be one, but I said it was going to be Brandon Woodruff. So So you I, lose still, right? Like that's I, how I don't that works. think so. I'm pretty sure it was a binary thing. <laughs> Um, well, we can go have Andy adjust that, I think, still. <laughs> but I was going to say that I that wasn't the one I thought you were going to talk about. I thought you were going to talk about the return of Nick Franklin. That was another one that was a surprise. It also went yeah. down. Did he get one plate appearance? He got one. He got injured on the one plate appearance. appearance. Yeah. So so that one is also incredible because that was that was over under 0.5, right? That's yeah. what that one was. Yes. Yeah, so yep. damn. Yep. Well, so he literally got he got his one and then hit the DL. Yeah, no, I was optimistic on that one, too, so I had zero, so I lost that one, and those both happened within, like, minutes of each other. Yeah. They that, both went down in just a couple minutes. Yeah, that was the first game against Cleveland. It was a big one for the prop bet, so, yeah. That, well, and in Miami, you also have Lewis Brinson, I think, who has six or seven homers already. Oh, did he? Last I, I, and I, Last I checked, saw it, he had the three against the Brewers. Well, I saw it. he got one more. He hit his first, like, non- Brewer home Brewer run. Home run. <laughs> so he got on the board there, but um yeah, that one's gonna be fun to watch play out the rest of the season too. So we still got still, some. We still yeah, got well, some he's that still are still only hitting like one sixty. So. Is he even gonna how long are they gonna keep him up? I mean he, he was a big piece of that trade. You gotta give him a, I guess a long leash, but his production's well, been just beyond brutal. It it's been yeah, it's been poor. I think the one saving grace for him is that he's still a quality defender. Yeah, and that's a big outfield. It is a big outfield. So. I don't know. I, I did, didn't they get rid of the big uh, home run sculpture? No, they're, it's still there, but Jeter wants it gone. That was the. the they're going to put a Jeter sculpture out there. <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you hit it'll the, be it'll be him nearly nude, just like if you hit the posing. statue, you get a, a gift basket. <laughs> I was gonna say, but it won't go left. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, sta- the statue has big problems diving to its left. Yeah. So okay, enough of that. Uh, you can help fans find this podcast, Milwaukee's Tailgate, on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at mke tailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page. You can follow the three of us on Twitter, and you'll find that in our Milwaukee's Tailgate Twitter bio. And finally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash mketailgate. Our ball and glove patrons receive the monthly minor league extra podcast. Milwaukee's Tailgate is sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing. From Dragon Flute to Block Party to Fantasy Factory IPA, K4 specializes in English-style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. Out now is the Double Hop Fantasy Factory IPA, and that's only available at the brewery. And then on May 25th, Carbon 4 re-releases their summer seasonal Idiot Farm. It's a 8.4 ABV 
but this super boozy hoppy beer is incredibly drinkable. So head over to the Carbon Four Tap Room on Kinsman Boulevard on Madison's East Side for the Double Hop Fantasy Factory and look for bottles of Idiot Farm at a retailer near you. Ooh, that one's bottled. Ooh. Yeah, they distribute that one. Okay, so you'll be able to pick that one up over at your local uh, distributorship. Yes. Yes. Okay. You, perfect. You should, yeah, you should be able to find it. So hunt around, and you know what? If you if you go to carbon4.com, you can find out where it's available. I I will do that. I we got to get that double hopped fantasy factory. We need to figure out a way to get to Madison and do that. Is you anybody got, going? To, you got a car? Go get it. I'm not driving to Madison to, just to get that. But if I'm in Madison, I'll do it. Are we going to Madison at any time? She doesn't know. <laughs> Your poor wife has to hear all this from the other side of the room. So, hey, uh, Carbon 4, Beer Brilliance. End of read. Uh, Milwaukee's Tailgate is also sponsored in part by Sound Devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound Devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional-sounding podcast, check out the MixPre 3 and MixPre 6. For more information, visit sounddevices.com. Okay, so it was a busy week, um, and I guess the big topic on everybody's mind is the pitching staff because we've had a, a few issues going on here um wade miley had an oblique injury and it looks like he's out for over a month yeah back to the dl with him so he had what two a start and a half I, was it even that long no he, he had hurt in the first inning okay yeah he got hurt in the first inning and had to leave because Suter came in and got them out of that inning and then and that was yeah yeah followed the home run so um yeah, we didn't really get a, a handle on what kind of pitcher Miley was going to be. So, yeah, it it looked like he was going to be at least competent, but yeah, who knows? <laughs> in in a start in an inning, yeah, I mean that was it. It it looked competent. I mean, what he was doing, he he was getting spots, and he was you know, it looked like he was. Do you, you want to draw outs. conclusions, JP, from all of that? But season I don't season long <laughs> conclusions from from was it six innings? Yeah, something like at that. Best, yeah, yeah. Six, six innings. Okay, so Miley's gone before we even got a chance to get to know the guy. So uh, he might be back at some point. Um, the bigger injury seems to be Zach Davies. Uh, originally, he went on the DL with some shoulder soreness. Looked like he was just going to miss a start, um, but he threw a bullpen session a couple days ago. Didn't feel good after ten pitches and called it off. Right. Yeah. They didn't even finish the thing. So now he said it didn't feel worse than it had before, but it didn't feel better. Obviously, uh, JP, um, how concerned should everybody be that Zach Davies is going to be maybe a, have a long term absence from the rotation? I mean, in terms of shoulder injuries in general, you've got to be at least optimistic that. Zach Davies isn't overly concerned about it, but shoulder injuries are bad news for pitchers. Um, so it's, it's a potentially pretty big issue. And it, I, I'm really surprised by the language that keeps being used around it. The fact that it just doesn't feel right. Um, I don't know if we've heard if they've done any tests on it, if they've done any MRIs, like if they checked out his, sh his shoulder, I would imagine they don't want to just like go poke around in there, but I would imagine that you could still do, uh, you know, imaging of the shoulder to make sure everything feels okay. It would be hard um, to believe they didn't. Right. But then you, you would 
then figure that they would at least come out and say that structurally everything is okay, but maybe he has tendonitis or maybe it just, you know, is, has a little bit of inflammation, but they don't, I haven't seen, and I've been, you know, I, I haven't been keeping up with uh, the news too much this week, but from what I've seen, they haven't said anything about what he is, what he's dealing with. They just keep saying it's like discomfort or it's just not quite right, but it's not a big deal. Um, but I haven't seen anything in terms of actually putting a name on the injury. Yeah. My shoulder's not quite right. Seems like a big red flag. It's well, spooky. especially because they're not actually, because normally they'll say like, Oh, you've got tendonitis in your elbow or, Oh, he's got a lap strain or oh, he's de- just dealing with inflammation, but they just keep not naming it, which is why I'm a little bit concerned about it. What do you think they have for other options? Is it, they called up Brandon Woodruff. Well, you had both the Miley and um, Davies injuries. So you have Woodruff up. Suters Suters, back into the rotation. Yeah, Suters, I guess, back in the rotation for right now. You think Suters in here long term, or is this going to be the time that Peralta or Burns gets an opportunity? I mean, if somebody's coming up, I would expect Burns before Peralta to start anyway, if you're bringing up somebody to pitch out of the rotation but would you yeah i do i yeah i, I mean well, part of that is just a long term i have i have doubts that peralta is going to be a starter long term but well he's starting right now and he he's starting right and now. he's on the 40 man that's true that is that's the the point he has in his favor they would have to put burns on the 40 well man and he's to be able to bring he's pitched off. well yeah burns has had more rough starts in triple a right now well, yeah, Burns, but Burns' rough starts in AAA, a hundred percent correlate with uh, playing at Colorado Springs. Yeah, but Peralta's playing in Colorado Springs too, and he hasn't had those um, issues. Sure, but I'm I'm just saying if you look at what Burns has done away from Colorado Springs, which is more of an indicator, I think, of how good he truly is. I think he he suffers some from Colorado Springs more than maybe some others do. You've got. There's absolutely no question he's dominating away from Colorado Springs. Well, JP, is it even worth arguing this? Because are either are either of these two going to get a look in the near future? It, I think it'll ultimately depend on what happens with with Suter and Woodruff if anybody is able to kind of establish themselves. I think the one thing that Suter has going for him is the fact that right now the bullpen has three lefties in it with Boone Logan, with Dan Jennings, with Josh Hader. The fact they don't necessarily need, and in fact, in some ways, it's not actually that beneficial to have four lefties in the bullpen. So Suter moving to the rotation, they know what they have in him. And I think in some ways, it seems the downside in Suter pitching five innings every five days is much lower than it could be in other other scenarios. And I think Woodruff still obviously needs some time to figure it out. He needs some, some regular starts, but if he doesn't, farewell i think the the organization has showed that they're willing to kind of uh go in a different direction so that would be the the area i would look at if you're looking for a, a way to get burns or peralta into the rotation i mean if they're not pitching well well do you think this isn't this to me it seems like it's a situation where woodruff is going to get the longest leash to really show whether or not he can uh grab a spot in this rotation so i, was just I, I say, would imagine if, so but i thought that at the beginning of the year too so if well, not now, when would you? I mean, this is the time to give Woodruff a chance. I would say when you're when you're out of the options where Miley had to be on the major league roster and you know stuff like that, you wanted to give Suter a chance. 
whatever we've gotten past all of that stuff. Right. It, yeah. I mean, you're talking about bringing up guys who truly at this point are AAA pitchers to replace Woodruff if you're doing that. So I I would have a hard time believing they would do that with any sort of speed. Like, even if it's happening, it's happening later. Well done line. Okay. So, but you've still got a rotation now that before the the year started, we were already talking about that it had a high variance, and that they really needed another high end arm there. Um, and now you're to the point with injuries that, I mean, the rotation is it's got Guerra, Woodruff, and Suter in it, which that's not great. I mean, well, and it doesn't help that we kind of expected Anderson and Davies to be the two kind of, you know, yeah. solid starters. And now you're down one of those guys. So you have the high variance and you're down kind of the guys you're planning to lean on, which uh, right. I think is what makes people kind of. Yeah, I mean, tug, tug on their uh, shirt a little bit. At this point, Garrett's really been a sort of a godsend to them because you couldn't have counted on him doing what he's done so far. And he's been he's been quite good. So whether or not that continues who knows, but he's really been important to keeping things stable in the early going here. So, I mean, uh, JP, have you liked how Garrett's looked so far? I mean, has it looked like it's legit production or has he just gotten good production in a limited number of innings and stuff's going to kind of fall back on him? I mean, I've only actually watched one of his starts, so I'm not, I'm not going to be. And he's had a couple of rough starts now in a row. Yeah. I mean, I think his last start was, um, I think, the worst of his his year thus far. Mm -hmm. So it's the thing with Guerra, and and we know this, and we've seen it throughout his career, and it's not a new issue. It's his command can go at any moment. Um, And if his command is gone, we saw last year, it's not playable. And so we need to make sure that whatever... Whatever whatever Gary is going to be able to bring, he it might not be phenomenal, but it ha- his command has to be good enough to be able to give solid innings and at least just you know four and a half ERA is really what if you can get that out of Gary, you're going to take it all day because right now the league average for a starting pitcher is about four point three, and so if you can if you could get something around that for Gary with the situation happening in the rotation with the injuries and all of that. Um, you're going to take it, but and he's been be considerably inter- better than that to this point. He's at three Oh nine right now. So, well, and I think it'll be interesting to see when Jimmy Nelson starts, we start hearing about his throwing program really start ramping up. I know that he wants to ramp it up. And David Stearns has been talking about the fact that they're really trying to hold him back to make sure that he's healthy. But, uh, I do wonder if that will, I don't think this will change the timeline, but I, I am more and more anxious now to see when Jimmy Nelson is actually going to start throwing simulated games or going to start throwing bullpen sessions instead of just regular, you know, throwing programs. Do you think the team has felt like they can hold them back a little bit since they're currently, you know, above 500, they're kind of, you know, battling for the top of the division so far, like they aren't in a real desperate situation as far as the standings are concerned. Yeah, I don't necessarily, I don't think we've really seen too much from the organization to think that they were going to change their mind on term in terms of that. I think if, if anything, what really has saved them thus far is the fact that the bullpen has been one of the best in the entire league. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the only reason that their pitching staff has really been able to be, uh, you know, a 
kind of middle of the league. I don't remember the last time I looked. I think it was like 10th and 8th or 10th in baseball. Um, but their bullpen is second best in terms of earned run average in in all of baseball right now. And it's, yeah, I been, say it's you, been the reason they've been able to look competent in the pitching staff. Yeah, the, the starting rotations in like the bottom third, I think, of, of teams. I, yeah, I believe it was pretty much exactly on the National League average, though. So it was it was sitting right about where when I looked at it a couple of days ago, it was 14th in major league baseball. Like it was pretty middling, which I I, I don't necessarily know about NL specific. Yeah. But I I think that kind of matches up with how everybody feels about the rotation so far at this point. So, but yeah, the uh, bullpen uh, got a little bit of a boost. Uh, Boone Logan was activated off the DL. So that was one of the lefties you were uh, talking about coming back into the, the, the bullpen. So they're loaded with lefties if suitors, you know, not or if suitors in the bullpen, then they have four lefties. If suitors in the rotation, obviously it changes a little bit. But even then, Josh Hader is he's left handed, but he's not a, a loogie. So right. That takes a little bit of that pressure off of the number of lefties you have in there. Yeah. Well, and the fact that Jennings has actually proven to be passable against righties thus far. I mean, it's obviously not something that you want to have, but his ground ball rate is so high that you can get by going full inning with him against righties if needed. It's just obviously not, you know, it's not desirable. Yeah. So um, also Corey Knable was activated and has uh, pitched a few innings since he got back. So um, not, not back as closer with a capital C for this. Uh, not yet. Any anyway. bullpen yet. Yet. Yeah. I think yet for my, my thinking, it's probably more of a yet. Well, you know, I was looking at it. Um, the the number of innings that the the relievers had pitched versus you know the number of appearances and you know we talk about they're spanning multiple innings and everything like that um and a lot of them have a, an inning or two more than the number of appearances they've made mm-hmm. um really, not Josh Hader though Josh Hader's the only guy that is well outpacing he's got 13 appearances and he, this is as of Friday night um 13 13 appearances and he's got 22 innings yeah, I mean he's almost doubling up, not quite, but he's 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 much closer to two innings than one inning per appearance. So. Yeah, and they've they've ramped that up lately, right? And he's he's added to that lately. So, but I'm just saying, there's a little bit of pumping the brakes on everybody's going a, a ton of innings when they make appearances. Yeah, and it's not necessary to have everybody going a ton of innings when they. No, and it's also why in. it's also why if Knable goes back to being a traditional closer, it's not going to be shocking no it's not shocking and it's also not really a problem i mean it's fine to have a guy who who does that ninth inning role the main thing is that hater continues to be used the way he has been which is to attack specific situations and even if canadal goes back to being a traditional capital c closer that doesn't mean that you can't have josh hater sometimes in there in the ninth inning when a, a situation might dictate it when there's a specific thing setting up to where where it'd be advantageous to have that big lefty in there who can get lefties out there's no reason they can't continue to do that occasionally so you know even if even if Knable does go back to the the traditional role so uh now the guy with the second most innings out of the bullpen is Jeremy Jeffress yeah and he has almost yeah it's like 20 innings that he's pitched so far this season 
Like he's he, been incredible. He has been. Do you think that Corey Knable might uh, give Jeremy Jeffress a little bit of a break? Because they've been, he's another guy, they've been riding pretty hard and he's been pitching really well. And there's obviously a reason they feel confident, you know, running him out there. But is this going to be their opportunity to maybe uh, save Jeffress a little bit? You would hope that they'd back off of him a little bit, especially because he has 21 innings, but he also has 20 appearances. And, you know, the Brewers are right around, what, 40 games right now? He's appeared in almost half their games. He's on a, a pretty unsustainable pace, and especially with the number of innings he's pitching, that's going to be pretty rough. Now, he's at kind of a point in his career where you don't worry about that as much. You're kind of right in the, the meaty part of the career, but you still don't want to, you know, ride the guy so hard that you break him. How many times does he pitch back-to-back days, though? Most guys aren't pitching back-to-back days. Yeah, you don't I'm see not it very often. Con- I'm not that concerned if he's pitching every other day. I mean, if 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 he if he has 80 appearances, but 80 appearances yeah. is a lot. Like I generally, I, I generally, if I see a guy, if and a guy can get through a season with 80 appearances and have a great season, I always feel like that following season is when you're going to see that fatigue set in. But if he goes, 80, if he has 80 appearances and pitches on back to back days six or seven times are you really that concerned about it if he gets up to 80 innings yeah i'll be concerned regardless yeah i will too really? yeah and it's hard well i know it's that hard ryan. to avoid yeah. it's hard to ryan avoid thinks it. every 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 pitcher is going to get injured regardless of how you use them and well, they I, he all is, do i mean come on he I mean, is they, he is 30 he is 30 like he's i said 30s. he's in that meaty part of his career where like this is probably sort of the if he you're going to do it, if you're going to do it with a guy, he's kind of at that that point where he's both, you know, a veteran. He's had plenty of time in, in, in the majors. Not but, so young. You need to protect. Not so old that he's fragile and you need to protect. Uh, and I'm not him saying like, like I'm not saying like purposely run him out there in dangerous situations, but y- you kind of feel like you have a little more leeway, at least with the way you can use him. I mean, I think if we think about. I don't actually think that the that Corey Knable is going to have really any effect what they do with Jeremy Jeffress. Um, you might not see him do what he did on, on Thursday night against the Rockies, I guess, in which he came in and got the save, but largely he's just been used as, as a firefighter, right? Whether it's the fifth inning, the sixth inning or the seventh inning, if they get in a tough spot, they're going to him immediately. And he's been insanely, I, I, unsustainably good at that in keeping I mean he's been incredible but he also loves it oh you did you see the look on Thursday night when he was doing the the quick head jerk to the mound it looked like Mike Fetters stuff remember the Mike Fetters like bulldog like quick head jerk to the plate yes I don't Oh, you don't. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, it looked like that. I saw it and I'm like, oh, that was that was like a Mike Fetters. Because when I think of all of my my memories of the Brewers of the past, Mike Fetters. <laughs> I mean, but that burned, was burned, burned in my mind. I mean, Mike Fetters was it was closer stuff. I mean, that was whatever. Well, I think he was. Was he followed by or did he follow Doug Jones? Oh, it was, yeah, it was in that run. He like Mike DeJean was in that run. And like, I think that, you know. Uh, oh God! What was his name? Dan Kolb. Remember I was Dan, Dan Kolb was yeah, there. Dan Kolb. That was a little bit later. Fetters was there. Fetters, Fetters was, was more there. around around the turn of the I century, was, as opposed to the, like the turn of the was century. That, was of the that century, when, yes. was that when uh, when Weathers was there too? Yes, Weathers was in that in that line of pitchers. Yeah, Stormy. Sure, all Rock loved Stormy. Yeah, 
That all, might not be. I think we could maybe get in legal pictures. trouble using that. But does that word have a different connotation now in 2018? Anyways, um, what about haters pace? Did we cover that? No. Yeah, we did. A little bit. I mean, we did a little bit, but I, 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 I mean, same... he's on pace for over 90 innings. Yeah, but he's he's been brought up as a starter and he's I think he's only pitched back to back days once or twice all year. I, I think it was just once. And then it was a situation where I don't think they on either of those days pushed him much past like 10 or 15 pitches like they they did use him back to back, but it wasn't it was to get maybe one out the one day or two outs the one day. And then the next day he got a quick inning and that was it. I mean, the other thing to recognize about Hader is he's been so good that they've been relatively low stress innings. Yeah, he's rarely putting guys on. Right. And I think if you do want to get more worried about Jeremy Jeffress, it's the fact that every inning he has had has been a high leverage inning just because they've been putting him in such difficult spots. Well, Steve and I were talking about this and you can bring up your concerns. We just haven't seen anybody do what Hader's done. Like that's... no, I was just looking it up. I was trying to think of who's comparable, and I quick checked like Andrew Miller, and well, it's been Andrew Miller, but even Andrew Miller went on back to back days. Well, and Miller's high for innings in a season is seventy three, right? And, whereas Jeff yeah. or whereas yeah. Hater now is on pace for well over ninety. But then again, he's the way they're using Hater is they're they're throwing him out there when they need him to get the outs that they need for as long as they need. And then they're saying, okay, well, now he's hands off as long as we feel that that's necessary to keep him healthy. And they seem to have no issue. There doesn't seem to be pressure on counsel, either from himself or from management or from anybody, to then bring him back overly quickly for the next time out. Like he, I mean, they'll even go a couple of days before. They'll even go a couple of days before bringing him back. Well, and they've had the production out of the bullpen that they they've had the luxury of being able to do that. Right. Yeah. Even even right. without Knable for that month, they were able to do that. Now that Knable's back, I think it makes it even easier. Really, it should. Right. Well, if Knable gets back on track, he hasn't looked sharp yet. Um, he looked he, he looked he fine was, in. He the, was pitching in Colorado. Oh no! But I meant for the what two appearances he's made. Well, he no. He, I mean, like on Thursday he was in Colorado. I mean, it's it's. Oh, that, yeah, that's it's gonna right. Be, it's gonna well, be tough for him. To but get he also sur- gave, he gave up that solo shot against Cleveland that was in Milwaukee. That yeah. was the one that stood out. Yeah, yeah. That was his first appearance back. I'm not sitting there, you know, making yeah, big yeah. judgments. But he, he he didn't look sharp when he started the season before he got hurt, and he came back and he's already given up, you know, home run and stuff. So I don't know. We'll see. He could be a one one year wonder. That wouldn't be surprising, would it? I think he was a little bit better than I. Yes, it would be. You would be shocked. Yeah, with his stuff, absolutely. Yeah, I I don't think we're not we're not talking about Turnbow or Axford here. This was and it wasn't a guy who came from nowhere. He had you know a pretty strong pedigree of being a very good pitching prospect who happened to be in the bullpen. Steve, he's happened a, to be in the bullpen. He's a reliever. I just I just I expect he's going to break my heart at any moment. So yes, you are. I'm, I'm you always are always for waiting that. for the axe. Well, Axford, by the way, is uh, up in Toronto and having a really nice year. Yeah, I think I saw something about him the other day. Yeah. He's Plus, he's really near well. the. That's a big film festival up there. So that's a good spot for him. <laughs> he's a big film buff. You got the, I know, you got the important I know. things. No, I know. That's legit. So, Milwaukee's got a film festival. People can go to that. I think it's usually in September. So, um, 
Any other thoughts on pitching? That was most of the the big stuff early we wanted to cover. No, I mean, I think the bullpen is really back to being what we thought it was going to look like coming into the season and even a lot better. So, I mean, the bullpen, if right now there, there are so many concerns about how good this team really is, right? There are, there are a lot of concerns with the starting rotation that we talked about. We've talked about the, the offense ad nauseum and they've been genuinely poor. Um, I mean, even by WOBA standards, um, sorting on fan graphs, they've been 20. This was, I think on Thursday night, they were 27th best in, in the majors. I mean, genuinely poor. And we've talked about that at length as well, but they're still obviously doing quite well. Um, that was a, that was a beer just in case. <laughs> anyone. It was a couple beers. Actually, that was the second one. I was trying to like turn down my mic to see if I could limit it, but um, that I know work. Ryan was covering his mic and I was confused. And oh, so what were you talking about while we were trying to do that? <laughs> we were talking about well, and so the bullpen thus far is basically the only reason that they are as many games over 500 as they are. They've been able to out, I think they are outperforming their peripheral, their uh, their their run differential by I think three games thus far already. Yep, that's and- correct. They Pythag has them as a 19 and 19 team heading into game on Friday, and they're 22 and 16, so three yeah. games above. And that's not crazy. So let's not like it's no, but it that but having a lockdown bullpen is exactly how you outperform it over a long period of time. It's right? the I most, mean, it's the, to, yeah, it's the most reliable way to do that. That's what the Orioles did to get their teams I mean, over that. Even hump. if we're even if we're looking talking about the series right now, it's literally what the Rockies are trying to do because they know their starting rotation has problems. And that's also the reason that their offense has been struggling. Their starting rotation is OK and their bullpen is great. Yeah, they signed all the relievers this offseason. Yeah, yeah, they paid Jake a lot McGee, of money for Wade, them. Yeah, Wade, Wade Davis. Well, comparatively, I guess I would much rather spend, what, 60, 70 million on three really good relievers than, than on Ian Desmond. I was going to say, well, I, well, no, I was going to say 60 million on like Alex Cobb, but. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't even remember what Alex Cobb got to, to be. It honest, was right but, about that. It was about 60 million. But another good way to go about it is just to have a bunch of young arms you can bring up that are that's live that's the, the better way to do it. that's a better way i'd rather not pay for it and get the same production well right but i think that if you really want to be able to give the brewers organization credit i mean matt albers has been wonderful they got him on a really cheap deal basically they gave up jared hughes to sign him and that's been a pretty big upgrade and what was uh, weird about Elbers, they got him on a good deal. And it's not like Elbers had no track record and they just like plucked him from obscurity. I mean, right. But he did. I think it was two years ago. He, two years ago, he was dreadful. Mm-hmm. But his peripheral showed that he should have been better than than he was. And last year, obviously, he was able to turn it around a big way. But he's been great this year. I, and I know that we've talked about that a lot. But um, and and isn't like. Jacob Barnes had so much hype early last year when he was so good against, you know, like the Cubs and you had their announcers basically fawning over him because he was throwing 92 mile an hour sliders. And then he really struggled with his command to the point that people wanted him, you know, either sent to triple a or didn't want him pitching in high leverage spots. But man, he, if he is like your fifth or sixth option out of the bullpen, you're that's, in fantastic shape. 
that's wonderful, right? Because you've got Knable, you've got Hader, you've got Albers, you've got Jeffress. And then you've still got uh, J- Jacob Barnes to come out. Like, that's that's a dynamite bullpen if all of those guys are pitching as well as they have been. And Jeremy Jeffress, I know that everybody is saying, and certainly, you know, he's not going to be he's not going to be stranding runners at this rate, and we we all know that. But his his changeup, his, his like split change, and how much he's throwing it this year has been an absolute weapon. And so. I think if you want to, if you're looking at a reason to get really excited about Jeremy Jeffress, it's not just that he's up throwing 95 to 97 miles an hour and his command has been good and he still has the breaking ball, but his split change has been just devastating, um, which has been real. And obviously we all have a, we all have a soft spot for Jeremy Jeffress just because he came up through the system and we've seen him have success here and go other places and not have the success. And so it's wonderful to have him in Milwaukee. Yeah. And it's wonderful to have him in Milwaukee because he loves like he he genuinely loves being here. He found a place he's comfortable. He pitches well here. He seems to have an organizational. He he gets support from the organization that he needs. Yeah. And the and the fan base, too. Yeah. So do you think it's sustainable for the rest of the season if the offense is, you know, kind of mid to, you know, poor, I guess, as far as league standards and the rotation is just very middling? Can they keep this up? Um, will the bull, bullpen be able to carry them for the rest of the season? In order to outperform their run differential, if the, if their offense doesn't turn it around and the starting rotation is middle of the pack, if not just a little bit below average, um, I don't know, because their bullpen is going to have to be so good in order to really outperform that to to get to the point where they could win 87 88 games and it's a lot of innings um, are covering the offense is, is going to have to get better but the offense is going to get better i mean it's not going to stay as bad as this well why do you think they're going to get better do you think they're going to make a trade i mean potentially that would be i was talking this week a little bit about the fact that we want the about the only advantageous thing about having really bad spots on your roster and so far catcher and second base you know, have been really bad spots on their roster. One of the advantages of that is it's relatively easy then to upgrade those positions because you don't have to go out and get somebody who's like a three or four win player to make a big jump at the in the quality at that position. You can get a guy who's just sort of a marginal, decent player, you know, a, a two win player, and that becomes a substantial upgrade to what you've already had. So possibly... But also, I think that they just have guys who are going to play better than what they've shown so far. Yeah. So we got a lot of questions, mostly everything else centering around uh, the production at second base from here on out. Okay. People are, I'm just saying. It's, what, it's an issue. Yeah. What, hinting at the trade, that's kind of what people want to know is what the heck are they going to do about second base? Um, Jason Spitz asks, how long do we think the uh, second base committee will go on for this season? And obviously, that got kind of flipped around a little bit when Sogard got sent down. There's not quite as big a committee to pull from. Yeah, something weird has been happening where Sogard got the extended run last weekend. Like, and it it felt very much like a, you know, prove it sort of situation. Like, we want you to show that you can turn it around in some tangible way. He didn't, and so he was out the door. Dubon goes down, so that becomes a non-issue. That happens last weekend. And we hadn't, I don't think you guys got a chance to talk about that because it was during the week. No, we did. 
but they officially said it's a torn ACL. Oh, yeah. When you guys were talking about it, he went down and everybody's kind of like, it's an injury. It's a knee injury. JP was kind of like, I'm not, you know, feeling too confident about this. And it came out. It is an ACL injury. So he's out for the rest of the season, which means he's probably going to be maybe rehabbing still in spring training next spring. Mm -hmm. Well, and now Hernan Perez has started, what, four games in a row going into Friday? Jonathan VR seems to have like disappeared all of a sudden. We're we're not seeing him starting games. We're not seeing him in the lineup. And so what happened to VR continuing to get run? He seems to be somewhat on the outs at the moment too, and I'm not sure what's going on there. JP, do you think there's something beyond production with VR that's uh, limited in his playing time? I thought maybe they were trying to maintain depth in case they needed to make double ch- double switches at like shortstop because basically he was you don't want to have Aaron Perez playing short if mm-hmm. needed right but now you've got Saladino on the roster who can play shortstop so that's not necessarily an issue. Um, I it, it's got to just be production. I think maybe they Aaron Perez has hit a couple of homers. I think um, if if my memory serves me right over the last what seven or nine games um i think that they were really they were they were going to call up dubon i yeah. mean is what they were going to do and now they yeah, everything, everything pointed to dubon being the guy coming up yeah and i think it was going to probably come up in the colorado series to be honest yeah it would have been a great way to get his feet wet i thought they wanted more miles i figured they would have Force him to fly somewhere <laughs> with all the miles they're collecting. That would have been a bus ticket. It's it's a it's a tough spot now because I think if you're looking at the trade market, there are a lot of places that they could go because Ryan rightly says they don't need to have a huge upgrade in order to actually see a marginal uh, improvement. Um, it, it'd be interesting because now that the um, now that the Yankees have. Uh, Glaber Torres is up, and then eventually Brandon Drury is going to be coming up, one would imagine. Uh, Neil Walker might be available again, as it turns out. Well, yeah. Did you see his production so far this season? Look, his production wasn't great before he came to Milwaukee last year. Either. It wasn't. He is he is like literally what the Brewers are getting out of their production at second base at this point. Like it's, that's what he's done. It's so actually far. the only thing that's made this tolerable. It was well, been <laughs> it's amusing. I, I was like, I know Walker's not playing well, but I went and checked that today and I'm like, oh my god, he basically is the Brewers second baseman right, right. now. Right. Yeah. It'll it'll be interesting to see what they go do. I know I and I know that you haven't asked it yet, but everybody wants to know whether or not Nate Orf is gonna be the one to come up. Right? And everybody yeah, everybody wants Babe to know. Babe Orf. Nate and Babe Orf. Yes. Babe Orf. Yeah. Yes, because well, he is he is the second coming of Babe Ruth. He will save everything. I mean, I'll let you take that if you want to continue to yes to be sarcastic. Praise and, Nate like Orff. A, yeah, like I mean, Nate Orff could come up and be fine. Well, like, like I had a, an extended discussion with somebody about this this week, and it was like, well, even if Nate Orff is, you know, a solidly one step up from what Tyler Saladino is, which I'm not even conceding he is because we really just don't know at this point. It's it's hard to say. Over 150, 200 plate appearances or whatever, that barely matters because any stupid thing can happen in 150, 200 plate appearances. So, like, even... And, and there's no guarantee that Nate Orff isn't a week from coming up or days from coming up. But, you know, who knows? Like, Orff could be up any time. But... 
you just don't know. And I'm not refreshing. Some... Ba- uh, I'm not refreshing uh, trade rumors, baseball trade rumors, to find out when Nate Orff gets called up. Right, and it's well, not that exciting. He's... But there's there's a lot of attention on him. I think the more interesting upgrade situation potentially is that catcher, though, because they definitely could use a backup catcher. Okay, we're gonna get to that. Oh, um, is it coming? I, okay, we're gonna we're I gonna mean, get to that. I I, I, I want to say something on Nate Orff for a second because Nate Orff can can hit, and he might not be able to hit major league pitching but he's clearly has a long track record of hitting like i'm not concerned that he could come up and hit 250 like i'm i imagine he can the question is whether or not he can hit for power uh what he's going to look like defensively all of those things right but the part that's been that's been really i don't i don't want to say like interesting but um it just seems to me that so many people are frustrated that nate orf has such great numbers down in triple a and he hasn't been called up and, and it seems to me that there are not very many people that are willing to say, huh, that's interesting. I wonder why they're not calling him up and actually asking what what is it that could make them not want to call up Nate Orff? Because right now it seems to be like, well, who cares? The production at second base is so bad. We just need to just do it. Who cares? It's because and- the front office of this team is stupid. They're well, stupid that, idiots. But oh, that stop. that has to <laughs> stop, right? stop, stop. But, but no, but that's the only that that is what people are jumping to, right? Because it doesn't seem to me that there are a lot of people saying, well, are there questions about the hit tool? Are there questions about his defensive ability? Are there questions of whether or not he can hit major league pitching? Maybe they don't think he can. Like I don't I don't actually Well, they I already actually, have they already have Jonathan VR putting up an empty batting average. Oh, absolutely. Like VR's batting average looks fine if you just looked at his batting average. With competent defense. But the point is, if Orff comes up and hits 250, but it's 250, 275, you know, 300, that's not like some offensive force. He's not altering the offense with, the you know, that kind of line. So, um, And I I do think, though, there is a point to, to say that, you don't just call people up just to to see if it works, right? Like, if if the argument is you have to call everybody up and play them to see if it works or not, like, it's not just you you just throw noodles at the wall and see what sticks, right? Brett, Brett Phillips is proving that you don't have to be called up to see if it works. He's called up just to be like on the roster for a little bit and then get sent to back come down. in in the seventh inning and play defense. Yeah. And hopefully, I mean, if he's lucky, get you know the lineup flipped over so he can win at bat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I do I I do want to emphasize the fact that you know and we talked about it last week, so I don't want to belabor the point. The organization sent Nate Orff to their rookie orientation a couple of years ago. They clearly like him. Like they, I think they view him as a as a potential Aaron Perez type of guy. Um, a guy who can play a lot of a lot of uh, defensive positions, a guy who's a super utility guy. And I understand, the, you know, reading Twitter that people are saying the team could use that right now and maybe they could. But maybe they also right now, if you've noticed in AAA, he's spending a lot of time at shortstop suddenly. And it could be that they want to allow him to play shortstop for a week or two before bringing him up and allowing him to play a lot of different positions on the team. So there there are a lot of scenarios that could be happening. Um, in which it's actually legitimate they haven't called up Nate Orff yet. And I think that people would be 
would benefit from taking a step back and actually interrogating those questions a little bit instead of just throwing up their hands, looking at his numbers and saying, we suck at second base right now. We could really use it um, because I think there's a more interesting conversation to, to be had there. Yeah. So uh, I do have a Patreon question from PB Brew Crew. Um, and actually, I'll do a couple questions here. Uh, he wants to know what would a list of potential uh, external options for second base look like? And what kind of package do you think the Brewers are likely to offer for a second baseman as the deadline approaches? Um, and then I'll, I'll kind of pair that with uh, Gary Wheeler, who asks on Twitter, assuming that the Brewers remain above 500, are there any dark horse trade candidates pitching or hitting that you could see the Brewers going after? Assuming that like second base would be the kind of that that spot hitting wise, or you had also mentioned yeah, catching. Yeah, I was talking about catching, and I think both of the Bay Area catchers, there's two guys out there that look interesting. Nick Hundley is having a solid year for San Francisco um, and would be definitely an upgrade offensively. I don't know defensively where he's at these days, but uh, also Jonathan Lucroy, bringing back him from Oakland. Uh, both are on one-year contracts, and both could potentially come back and be a be an interesting upgrade offensively. Uh, though both again, there's some questions defensively, but I'd looked at both of those guys this week. So less at second base. Did you have any thoughts, JP? I mean, I think right now at second base, there's not a lot out there for teams that, you know, are going to be willing to trade. Um, I think the one that makes a lot of sense for people, everyone's going to go to Starlin Castro just because the Marlins don't want to pay people. They clearly have an impetus to trade. And Starlin Castro um, can still hit. So that's something that would make sense. I don't necessarily see that being likely, but uh, it's something that's not necessarily going to go away. I think if you're looking for a potential uh, under the radar option, um, and he's been wonderful this year to start, is Jed Lowry. Uh, Jed Lowry's on on the last year of his contract. Uh, Oakland will absolutely be interested in trying to move him for some pieces, one would imagine. And he's been genuinely, uh, he's been the best second baseman in baseball, actually. Um, so, but considering he's on the last uh, last year of his contract, he's 34 years old, um, I don't think he's going to cost too much, even though he, right as of, you know, Friday night, he's hitting 338 with a 400 batting average. And last year, he was still able to put up a really good batting average, even or a, a really good on base percentage. And he's just, a, he's a professional hitter. He can play defensively. Uh, and he's actually got some versatility as well. So I think Jed Lowry is somebody who the, the team could look at. I mean, what kind of talent would it take to get a guy like that? Is it going to be somebody? Know. Is it going to be somebody that we go? Oh, we know that name, and we're disappointed he's leaving. Or is it going to be somebody we go? Eh, you got to know the depth of the system to really appreciate I, that trade. I don't. I don't have a good feel for it anymore. Like I, I used to feel like I had a, a solid, a solid grasp on on what it would take to acquire guys. But right now, with guys in the last year of their contract, it seems like you basically have you don't have to get rid of anything. Um, it doesn't, I mean, I can't think of the last guy. I, I mean, you Darvish, I guess required something in return, but even that was a little underwhelming. I can't remember what the last trade was for somebody in the last year of their contract who you, you were really getting for three, three months of a rental that really bought a role this Chapman. Ton. I mean, is it a role Chapman brought back? Labor yeah, Torres. but that was, that mm. was pr pretty much contingent on the fact that he was going to resign. Wait, it was contingent on the fact that uh, Chapman was going to resign? 
with the Yankees? No, I'm I'm just saying that they got back Glaber Torres for him. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, when, I had that flipped when, in my mind for some reason. No, um, when the Yankees traded away, Gla- yeah. the the Cubs had to give up Glaber Torres to get him, and Glaber Torres is one of the top guys. No, you're right. You're yeah, right. No, that's th- that's, that's but well, that's that's two years ago now, and that's and that's an elite piece coming back. That's not Jed Lowry. Yeah, that's not Jed. I mean, is is Jed Lowry more like, hey, we got this kid who's, you know, 18, 19, he can throw close to 100 miles an hour, but he's got no idea where the ball's going. It's going to if he if he if right now what his his batting average is, the fact he's hitting 338, he's been a two-win guy already even though I know that defensive statistics are going to cause problems with looking at, you know, war, but just for the sake of argument right now he's basically a two-win player thus far he has eight homers on base percentage 400 he can play competent defensive if he still has a 370 on base percentage plus in july i mean it i think it's going to be difficult for you to go to oakland and say yeah but he's not really that good (laughs) like you're going to be even last year when it was down a little bit i i think it would be comparable to say what the brewers uh what the brewers kind of got back for gerardo para oh so davies which was a good get yeah i mean it was kind of a i think right now if you looked at the brewers organization it would be someone around you know maybe the 15th Maybe like a Trey Supak sort of thing. You know what? You know who I was thinking of was Jake Gatewood, maybe. But it all depends on what Oakland's interested in. Gatewood well, or Cody Medeiros. I'd say like Gatewood's been genuinely poor so, so far this year. That's true. I mean, I think like Trey Supak, uh, Supak would be somebody that they could go for. Um, if they were to a, ask maybe for a Med- Marcos Diplon. What if they were to ask for Medeiros? If they said Medeiros for Laurie, is that something you'd be interested in? I uh, I would need to hear just because of the reports in the spring of how good Medeiros was starting to look. I'd want to hear more about it. Um, but last year, Cody Medeiros, before you know, we kind of hear heard this kind of uh, bubbling hype. Um, I'd like to, and his stats have kind of backed it up a little bit. I I'm surprised I'm saying this, but I I'm not necessarily sure I'd want to part with that. Um, but. <laughs> I think like if you looked at somebody like Supak, who's had a really nice year uh, or somebody like a Marcos Diplon, I think that that would absolutely be uh, that would be fine to go for Jed Lowry. Um, I don't necessarily know what Oakland is looking for just based on their last trades. I think they'd be looking for high minors sort of guys, but yeah, they kind of always are. They're looking for guys who are close to big league ready. That's fairly standard for them. Like Nate Orff. <laughs> yes, Nate who, who maybe is uh, like is what Jed Law, like if you if you really dream could become Jed Lowry. It's not the best host in the business for nothing, <laughs> folks. Yeah. Okay, uh, Scott Moline, uh, one of our uh, patrons on Patreon. Yes, um, if you could make one roster change today, what would you choose? Nottingham for Bandy, Burns or Peralta for Suter on well coming up on this Sunday. Like I said, we're we're recording on on Friday. Um, Orf, Orf, Perez, Saladino. What change would you make? Ryan, you have opinions. <laughs> I have to find the question. I can't find it on here. Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, you don't want to lose Jet Bandy, I know. So you don't want to bring Nottingham up. Eh, you're, I mean, you're afraid that if Bandy is exposed to uh, other teams. 
that that somebody's going to snap them up. They're going to lose. I do out think on there's that. a good chance that'll happen. Just because catching is hard to find, so there's a good chance that would happen. I don't know. And it would I be mean, that big of a worry I mean, to you. Is it that hard to find if you say that every single time a catcher hits the waiver wire, somebody picks him up? Like, I mean, to be like not not being sarcastic, like the the Brewers got Stephen Vote last year on waivers. Yeah, like, I mean, Vote was perceived more to have been a guy who was kind of done because he was so bad at that point, as opposed to Jet but, Bandy, but, who's I was ascending. Say, but Jet Bandy isn't. Well, Jet Bandy's a lot younger. Well, that's not a reason to think that he's also never had any it. kind of production close to Stephen Vote. That's true. Yeesh. Um. No. So, anything else, or is, or is that no? Your I mean, I. I don't. I'm not really interested in any of those moves at this point. I don't think any of it's necessary. I think any he, of them? You wouldn't want to see Burns or Peralta instead of Suter. I mean, come on. I mean, there's well. You would to do that, then you would have to send people out. You'd have to kick people off the forty man. Oh my god! And this, this, yeah, the Brewers front office has trouble sending people down to AAA. Well, I'm just saying, there's not an obvious move at this point that I think you like is well, crying have, out to be made. I mean, they have all the lefties. They could send Suter down if they wanted to bring somebody else up to start. Yeah, they could if they wanted to. JP if they wanted to do that. But. JP, do you have a move you want to see the Brewers make, or anything that you'd at least be interested in? Yeah, I'd like to see Nottingham up. I think not. I think I've. There were so many question marks about Manny Pena prior to last year, and offensively, he's he's struggled this year. Um, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on him by any stretch. Defensively, he's uh, he's really really solid. But I think splitting time between somebody like Nottingham that is clearly the guy with offensive potential and looked like he's developed a lot defensively to start learning to see if he could start taking some time away from Pena wouldn't be a bad idea at this point. Do you have any idea what Pena's biggest issue is right now with the plate? Yeah, he keeps jamming himself. Like he's he's going to be able I know that basically right now he's just jamming his hand so far in that he can't extend on any ball. Um, I don't know if that's basically a pitch recognition issue, if it's a mechanics issue, if it's a confidence issue, but he's not being able, he's not actually getting any leverage in a swing, um, which is obviously not a great thing if you're trying to hit the ball for power. But is it fixable? I would imagine. I I, I don't know enough to, to be able to answer that question, but uh, he was definitely not swinging like this last year. So I would imagine that he has the tools and capability to be able to not do that. It could just be a confidence thing. It could be that last year was a fluke. I'm not, I don't know. Um, but I would imagine that that Manny Pena has the ability to not jam himself on inside fastballs the vast majority of the time he sees them and to be able to clear his hips to get through. I, I, I believe that he can do that for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So moving on, we have a question from Allspurge on Twitter. Uh, he says, geez, did Braun break some mirrors or have some black cats walk by? Seems to have the hardest luck at the plate in baseball this past year. Is Braun's lack of production this year luck, or are we seeing age catch up to a guy right now? Probably both in some measure. There's definitely some bad luck. You could see it last night. Sorry, on Thursday night with Braun. I, have, I cannot remember seeing him more frustrated. He was muttering the entire way back after he hit another line drive right to the left fielder. He was muttering to himself, and he got back to the dugout, and he threw his helmet. 
And Braun doesn't usually like outwardly manifest frustration like that. Like he's usually a pretty even keeled guy. You could tell he was pissed off and he was, you know, wondering what he needed to do to to get something going. And he's been in kind of that funk right now. But I'll part of it. I'll I'll throw some numbers out, though, because just to back up that statement, because I think you're exactly right. Um, His line drive percentage right now is 21 percent, which is almost three, which is almost three percent higher than his career average. Uh, His hard hit percentage is uh, just over 35 and a half percent, which his career average is 36 percent and his soft hit percentage. I know that these are are a little bit fungible just because, you know, they're they're not completely objective numbers, but um, is lower than his career average at 16.7 percent. His career average is 17 percent. His infield fly ball percentage, which you generally see get higher if guys are hitting for a low average and they're just not squaring up the baseball is two uh, percent lower than his career average. He's hitting the baseball hard. He's his his uh like his batted ball distribution between left center and right is almost exactly on par with his career numbers. He's still hitting the baseball hard. Um, everything. If you're looking at the numbers and trying to, to determine what's going wrong, everything looks right. And on Thursday night, we were able to see him hit the ball super hard again. And it just, as Ryan said, he's just, he's frustrated because he knows that he's hitting the ball well. And as of right now, I don't have any concerns about him. Um, I mean, I was looking at that earlier and yeah, I saw most of most of his stats, regardless of what you're looking at, lined up pretty close. The only things that I saw that stood out was uh, his walk rate had dropped. He traditionally was around 8% and he's just a little bit over five and a half. Yeah. Um, And his strikeout rate has gone from a career of 18 about eight eighteen and a half percent up to almost 22 and a half percent so the only yeah. thing i wonder about it a little bit and you can tell me if this is totally off base is is it possible that perhaps because of age he is altering some of what he's doing and he's not able to be as well balanced and all around a hitter as he used to be he has to fall into more predictable patterns in terms of where he's driving the ball to because Brian Braun, prime Ryan Braun was able to hit the ball hard all over the place. He sprayed what's the that ball have to, to do with, all What's that have to do did. with walking and striking out though? No, I was going to say, but he did do he, but he, he is, did that on, on Tuesday, on Thursday night. And That's, yeah, JP was just going through all the numbers of when he's putting the bat on the ball, he's stinging it as well as he had in the he, past. Right. I'm just wondering directionally. Okay. So that's, that's a non-starter, but, but between left, right and center, it's almost exactly at his career norms. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It's, and he's hitting the ball harder. So there's, yeah, it it does seem to be purely a bad luck thing. Well, and I don't know with this, how much he's swinging and missing, or he's just, he doesn't have the, the batter's eye, I guess, maybe. I would say his swinging strike rate is about 2% higher than his career average. So that's, that's a little bit. So there's a little bit of regression in terms of his yeah but that's not like that's there's no way that that's quote-unquote stabilized at this point sure sure um so travis shaw i think is in largely the same position i was looking at shaw's numbers too i think you can make a lot of the same arguments you make about braun with shaw especially if you just look at his splits you can see what's dragging him down he you know coming in here he was hitting 237 318 467 the numbers are all very solid in terms of the splits between each other. Like he's, he's walking a lot. He's, he's getting on base when he's not getting hits. He's hitting for power. 
He's just not getting as many singles to drop in. That that batting line does not surprise me for Travis Shaw. If you said here's here's six weeks of a season for him, right? That fits the, right I, within. I don't think Braun's having clearly, you know, a season that's well below his standards. That for Shaw, for like I said, a month and a half. I think he's still hitting with power, and he's still shown an eye at the plate. So, so that's not. So there are are two things on that point. So for Braun, uh, his batting average on balls and plays, Babip is over thirty. 30 points lower than his lowest career number like ever if you're looking at his and he was he was always like a a well over 300 babip guy yeah Yeah, his babip for his career is 330 and right now it's 258 like in order for that that's not regression that that's luck but there was a really interesting article written by jonah carey and he wanted to talk about the blue jays because he was saying that they have outperformed expectations and he was trying to figure out why and there was a a, there's a sabermetric uh statistic that you know i don't want to get too much into but it's called cluster luck and it's actually trying to look at uh the basically the the likelihood that a lot of your runs or your a lot of your uh your lucky plays are coming in bunches right and so that is what you know for example we saw that on thursday night but the the toronto blue jays by by far and away had the highest cluster luck number in the world in in the world in in uh major league baseball um but the brewers were the second lowest in in the national league by quite a bit i mean if you looked at not only just Yes, they're BABIP and all of those sorts of things. That's low. It's It shows that they've had bad luck, but it shows that their bad luck is pretty evenly distributed and that their good luck has not been able to cluster together to produce any good offensive results that you can see in, in guys like, you know, in Toronto. So um, it just seems right now that there are so many things that are just unfortunate, um, which... I mean, that's a glass half full sort of look, right? Because I think if we wanted to say glass half empty, we could run down as many guys in the in the road, in the batting order right now that have just genuinely been poor um, and look poor uh, at the plate. So I'm trying to maybe be a little bit more optimistic about it. They they got to get together at some point. They have pieces that you look at and you got to think there are guys who are going to have bad seasons. Yeah. Not all of these guys are going to continue to have bad seasons and not it's not just bad seasons. It's like comically bad seasons that, yeah. you know, where you, you have guys who are putting up on base percentages in the 220s. I mean, come on. When when they've been guys who've been solidly over 300 in you know last year, like it's just that's not likely to continue at that level of, you know, of awfulness. So. Yeah, and I, I was looking at it, uh, Travis Shaw, also a guy who's generally more. He's closer to three hundred BABIP wise. Generally, he's at two forty eight right now. So you can kind of see where that's coming to, where the the peripheral numbers, you know, are all sort of there. It's just not. He's not getting the the holy hits crap! Fall. What happened in this game? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. They the the bullpen finally had a leaky night. Okay. Well, it's, it's fantastic radio I was gonna to say, talk about a game yeah, that's we're, like three days in the past when they're listening to this. <laughs> maybe a, maybe you aren't the best host. In it's the it's business, a Steve. Mr. It's a Mr. Show sketch. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I last I saw uh, in this uh, Friday night game, yeah, uh, Barnes came in with the bases loaded, and I looked away because what Ryan was saying was so interesting. 
And then I turned back, and now it's a nine to three. So he got some outs, and then it all came. Apart well, there were a lot of outs. outs. He, he had the bases loaded and a lot of outs to get. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the way that goes. Well, hopefully the rest of the series uh, balances out. Um, otherwise, Monday could be again. Everybody's kind of gritting their teeth a little bit after you know they did all right against Cleveland this week. Yeah, they were fine. You beat Kluber and you lose the other one. Nobody's going to complain about that. Well, yeah, nobody. Oh, you lost to Carlos Carrasco? That'll happen. Yeah, and he was dealing. <laughs> yeah, Carrasco yeah. had a good game. That was that Absolutely. was not just kind of like, oh, you know, they they were having they were making some, you know, stupid swings or something like that. Like they didn't have a shot against him, so. Yeah. Cleveland can pitch. Um so anyways, that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh JP, do you want to do the uh Patreon thanks? Absolutely. A uh, huge thank you to Wayne Stolpa, Scott uh Meskin. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Meskin. And uh, Caleb Kleinhans. So thanks to everybody. We appreciate everybody who who supports us via the Patreon. And if you are not, we do have uh, the Minor League Extra podcast that just came out about a what? Just about a week ago at this point, Ryan? Yeah, a little over a week ago now. Yeah. So you can hopefully have a chance to catch up on that if you haven't had a chance to, to help with the Patreon. But um, I don't want to step on Steve's toes. No, that's letting, fine. Letting everybody know how they can uh, contribute to the Patreon if they'd like. No, hey guys, after, after guys, listening to you last week, Ryan uh, Braun just got a double. Well, it's look the, at that. The regression to the media it is, is it's happening. happening as we speak. So um, anyways, if you want, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash MKE tailgate patrons at the ball and glove level will receive that minor league extra podcast. And that comes out usually the first week of the month sometime whenever Ryan and JP work out their schedules and can sit down and and chat for an extra hour every week. So um, as always, follow us on Twitter at MKE tailgate. You can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's tailgate baseball podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google play, wherever you find podcasts, we should be on there. Um, You can also leave reviews, uh, which we need those because some people were going at JP a few weeks ago because he's so smart. (laughs) <laughs> they didn't like the, they didn't like all the smarts coming from you. <laughs> well, they just I th- I felt like they were pretty accurate. You got so. you got to you got to, you know, rein that in a little bit. Don't be so smart. Look, look we all have to have our personalities on this show, we right? We do. And Ryan. so I I am I'm happy to lean into that one. <laughs> you could be the smart one and Ryan's the other one. No, I meant the one that everybody <laughs> hates to listen to. So, anyway, were you talking about me or you? <laughs> me. <laughs> Anyways, uh, leave those reviews five stars only. If you're going to be one of the one star people, it better be really amusing. Whatever you write, okay? Oh, that's fine. No, if you wanted to leave a one star review, don't even worry about leaving the review. You can just you can yell at me on Twitter. That's fine. I was gonna say, yeah, send him send him a hate mail. Yeah, he, he gets all the notifications if you add him on Twitter. Fantasy no, baseball it, question. It Send them to JP. So, anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Look for us again next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Oh, so did you know that Ryan collects ESPN the magazine? I got rid of them all. Well, like, 
collects them. He collects them. He's like I had a huge stack of them that Amy had been pushing. He's like he's like Frank Costanza collecting TV guides. (laughs) 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 And I had refused to get rid of them. And finally, last so last Sunday, I finally take the stack. Hold on, I finally take the stack of them. And I'm going to take them out to the thing. And Amy was so overjoyed. She was almost crying and she was like wanting to kiss me. So I got to share. He actually, so I brought a bunch out. I picked a bunch of older ones and brought them out, put them on the table and said, here's about 30 of them that I think you should just get rid of. Right. And he says to me, okay, whatever. And I'm like, if they're not gone by the time I get home, I'm going to throw them out. And so I come home and they're gone. Little, little bit later, I find out he hid them in the drawer in the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they weren't hidden in a drawer they were just sitting on my on my nightstand what other they embarrassing magazines were there. in there they were literally <laughs> sitting on the fucking nightstand they weren't even hidden i you're, like that makes it sound like i'm a crazy hoarder <laughs> like <Our> crazy hoarder. <laughs> i know who i'm siding with in this discussion 